Welcome, TTB community. I am Bob Demetta, and here with me, as always, is the very virtuoso. Ooh, virtuoso. All right. I know know the rough meaning, but what is the actual definition? A person highly skilled in music or another artistic pursuit. Okay, so what is that? I I mean, podcasting, right? Okay. Can be loosely, yeah, yeah. I was a musician in high school. And that as well. I totally knew that. Yeah. My job has a little bit of art involved. It does. Yeah. All right. All right. So our episode, well, before I get into the episode, very important stuff. The answer to last week's trivia question. So the question was, what are Luke and Chris's vices? So Luke's vice is coffee and Chris's is chocolate. And we're still waiting for them to go on that Swiss chocolate biking tour. Yes. So if you got that correct, you will be in the pool to win a free Traveler's Blueprint sticker, which you can find on our website to see what they look like. They're pretty cool. And we will be reaching out to you via email very soon. And we will also be tagging you on our Instagram story to thank you for answering the question. Yeah. And stay tuned to the outro of this episode to hear this week's trivia question. So what do we have going on today, Bob? All right. So today's guest is a Michigan native but currently uh, an Alaskan resident. She has been to 15 out of the 69 national parks. And today our discussion really was about uh, national parks. We talked about some of the problems facing national parks. We discussed a bit of uh, travel nursing, which she is a part of. She's an occupational therapist who currently sees the world that way. And just had like a good, I don't know, general conversation on on all related things. It was It was a cool cool conversation and she was a fun person to sit down and talk with. So without further introduction, please give it up for our next guest, Melissa Miller. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Melissa, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Thank you so much. So I came across your Instagram page. Um, and that, that's ex- essentially how I ended up reaching out to you. I don't even remember how exactly I was like in a rabbit hole of, you know, <laughs> pictures and wildlife pictures and national park pictures. And I'm, I've been fascinated with the United States national park system for a very long time. And I went on your page and you've been to 15 of the 69 national parks, which yes. I find impressive. And I mean, they're so spread out. Uh, I'm, I'm at nine right now. I would that's love- pretty good. Yeah. It's not too bad. Well, it's, no. He, he was very proud of it. He was very proud before he actually counted. He's like, I think I've been to 15. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Well, no, well, the thing is, I've been to a lot of national forests. Yeah. And oh, state yeah. parks. I don't count. Uh, yeah. State parks and national forests. I've been to a lot of those too. Um, and I did, not, I did not include them in that number. That is strictly national right. parks. So, yeah. Okay. Are, are you, is that a goal of yours to hit every national park? Yeah, I was, it was a lot more of an intense goal a few years ago. And now I've kind of just, you know, if it works out, I, I make it happen. And, you know, I definitely base my travels on outdoor activities, but it's not, I'm not like actively planning and plotting each one. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we were just discussing before we started recording, you moved from Michigan to what can be considered like one of the most wild places on earth. You are now living yes. in Alaska. So yes. remote, so interesting, and per- the perfect place where someone enjoys the outdoors. Oh, yeah. And there's eight national parks in Alaska. 
That's awesome. Is, I don't know if I realize I know. that. There's quite a few. I mean, I can't access really any of them since I'm trapped in Juno. <laughs> but, yeah. but Juno has a lot of, of great outdoor spaces. There's a national park in Alaska that has blown my mind and it's extremely high on my bucket list. And that's Katmai National Park. Yes, I've heard that's where yet? you can see. No, I've heard you can see the bears just catching salmon out of the, you know, the streams. Yeah. The so you time it, you time it for the right time of year. And they've made this boardwalk, this platform where you can stand over the river at a point no where the, there's like a little waterfall. And so the salmon swim up river. The grizzlies will stand huh. right at the top of that waterfall and just catch them out of midair. And you can just sit oh, there and that. watch them all day. And I mean, yeah. there wow. can be upwards of 20, 30 grizzlies there at like one time. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. if you if you just do a quick Google search, it's like the fifth picture shows like six <laughs> bears in the water with like 30 tourists taking yeah. pictures. Goodness. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. very cool. Have you had yeah. any run-ins with grizzly bears? Grizzlies? No, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, luckily, somehow in Juneau, the way the geography worked out, we have mostly black bears. Um, but like anywhere else outside and like the other islands are all grizzly dominated. That's something that's always scared me of like being yeah. in Alaska <laughs> or living in Alaska because it's just, it's wild. It's very wild. And, it is. Yeah. Well, I know when we were doing a little bit of research, Bob was like, I know Bob is terrified of bears and living <laughs> yeah, and hiking, and especially hiking with the potential for a bear attack. But I, I've heard, and I actually, I, looked it up to make sure I wasn't completely off base, but moose are actually the cause of more deaths than yes. bears. I've heard that, but for whatever reason, my brain still goes to think like bears are more scary. I don't know why. Cause I have uh, encountered a moose on a trail before, not here in a glacier national park. Okay. I was totally chill, <laughs> but yeah. I see a bear and I'm like, uh, what do I do? Well, I mean, right. a moose isn't going to eat you. I don't know. There's something about the bear like, right. you know, it's it's there to eat you, especially grizzly bears. They're yeah. scary. Black bears, I'm not as scared of. They just, they tend no. to be more timid. They're like big dogs. Right, right. That's the kind of, that's the Just don't I cuddle have. with it. Just with don't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't go up to them. But, um, you know, a grizzly bear in Alaska, from what I understand, it's colder. Their yes. food can be scarce at times and For you sure. could come across a hungry bear. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if that statistic with moose being um, responsible for more deaths has to do with car accidents. It does. Oh, I wonder. Yeah, okay. yeah. It does. That makes that's sense. the main reason. It's not necessarily on the trails that they harm humans, but right. just accidents. I mean, they're the size of a car, so when you get in an right. accident with them, you're hitting another car. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, all right, so you're up to 15 national parks. Yes. Um, which one has been your favorite so far? That is such a hard, that's like, you know, choosing a favorite child or pet, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, since I did spend so much time, you know, living in Seattle, being able to explore those national parks, because we have three, we have the Olympic, North Cascades and Rainier. So I mean, I have to go with the North Cascades, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you kind of have to live in the area to really explore that one because it's, not like a traditional national park. You don't roll up and, you know, show your park pass. It's, it's like off of a highway. And it's just pretty remote. And there's a lot of hidden gems there. Yeah. And there's something about that rainforest. That, yes. You know, I, I've, hiked, I've hiked Olympic. Um, and when you're, I, I did it alone. And when you're in mm. these, you're lost in these forests. And the, there's fog setting and there's mist, you know, there's the birds are chirping. I don't know. There's just something oh, incredibly yeah. 
um, peaceful. Peaceful, yeah, it, it's peaceful. You feel isolated, and the trees are just so much bigger than like the East Coast where I'm used they to. They are. It's just so mystical there. I always say, I'm like, yeah, I'm in Narnia. Yes, <laughs> right, right. And you just feel so small. The vegetation is so tall. The yes. trees are so they're they're humongous. And you know, and I'm comparing them to the East Coast, but you just feel very tiny walking mm-hmm. in this trail and looking up at the canopy. It's humbling. Very, very. Yes. And they're they're all so old. They are. So yeah, right. I mean, when you're walking through, you're thinking about the age of those trees and what they've seen and how much history has passed since they actually started growing. Oh yeah, it's definitely. Really cool. No, when you when you hike these parts, are you doing like day hikes? Do you do backcountry camping? Most of the time, yeah, backcountry because I mean we're driving three to four hours to get to most of these trailheads, so it's you know you want to make a, a weekend out of it. But I mean, Rainier's it's like difficult because it's so popular and so you have to plan and you know apply for permits where olympic and north cascades you you can kind of roll up and get permits day of okay yeah yeah that seems to be an issue with a lot of the national parks uh, on the west coast yes. they're becoming overcrowded and overran and that's something i think that we we're mm-hmm. going to end up talking about anyway um, yes we Elliot, we've discussed it a few times right like yeah there's only so many options that they, they seem to be able to take and one of them is raising the cost to get into the national parks themselves. Right. But then you can end up limiting the amount of people that are actually able to go. Right. Cause then it becomes kind them. of a, a privileged thing to be able right. to experience yeah. these parks that were designed for everyone. Everybody. Yeah. Right. Right. It is unfortunate. It's a, it's a dichotomy that you have to grapple with because you want to protect them, but you also want people right. to see them and appreciate them. Yes. And I, I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't even think raising the price would really do much to control people. No, there's still we so just, many people going. Yeah, we have to kind of look at it in just a positive way of like, okay, all these people are going to keep coming. So what can we do about this? And just kind of use it as an educational opportunity, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I think bringing people to understand that they have a direct impact when they're there, even though they're just, some people are just doing a day trip, they're driving in, having an understanding of, that they have an impact the moment they drive in because those car emissions are impacting the park. Every time they throw stuff away, every time they walk somewhere, it's impacting the trail, it's impacting the trash. And if people are more responsible when they visit Mm -hmm. and having respect for the national parks, I think that goes a long way in preserving them. Definitely. I know my boyfriend and I talk about this a lot. It's like, how could, what could we do? You know, like maybe first time national park visitors have to take like an online course or, you know, like go to a special yeah. like, you know, spot in the national park and take this you know short course on how to respect the land. And I just feel like, I mean, even I... for me, when I first started getting into the outdoors, like I didn't know all these things. Like I didn't know why you're supposed to stay on the trail. I didn't know, you know, like all those rules that you kind of have to learn through either people that tell you angrily or, you know, <laughs> it's <laughs> yes. like there's got to be a better way to educate people. <laughs> well, it seems to be a, like a double-edged sword in some circumstances and that some of these national parks sort of, sort of shot themselves in the foot with it because they ended up developing roadways to some of the best outlooks in the park. Yes. And so you're now allowing people who don't really, they don't, maybe they just don't care about the outdoors or they aren't there to actually experience the park in detail. They just know if they drive through the park on this road, they can park here, get this viewpoint, they get back in their car and they drive right back through. That creates a ton of traffic and it, it allows for you to 
it, it ends up causing a population to visit the park who isn't necessarily there because they love the environment. You know, they Correct. may be from far away and they, they never get that view anywhere else. And they're just kind of there for the quick picture mm-hmm. or the quick 10 minute experience and then they're gone. And so I, I don't like the idea of these parks developing no. roadways and paved walkways. Um, I think that that's, I, you know, it sucks because there's no clear answer. It's all gray area because if you don't, right. if you don't develop the parks with these things, you're going to also eliminate a lot of people who may genuinely care and they're not going to be able to see it because maybe they're, you know, they have a health issue or something right. where they can't actually physically walk through. I don't yeah. know. Well, there's a, there's a lot of technology out there for wheelchairs that have essentially off-road tires. Yes, you are right. And I'm they an can occupational therapist. So are you? I, that's, okay. Oh, yep. So I yeah. definitely look at that stuff. My wife but. is a physician assistant in hip and knee replacement. So okay, she sees a lot of people that are either to the point where they need a wheelchair or yes. where surgery will actually help them prevent one. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's sort of my, that's where I, that's my stance on it. Um, if you want less people, stop developing them. Yeah. Right. Well, imagine, I mean, you can get in the backcountry and see a lot more. Yeah. For right. most, for how, most people. That's yeah. how they were originally supposed to be seen. Like that's why we reserve these lands because they were wild and they're beautiful. And if you right. want to see them, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Um, I don't know if either of you have been to Watkin Glen's yes. State Park in. I have. Yeah. So I think yes. all three of us have. All right. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful, right? I mean, I'm sure we'll all agree that it's beautiful the way that the gorgeous cut out and everything, but yes. it was it was like a concrete pathway when I went. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell did they do? Like I and all I could do the entire time I walked around this walkway was just think about what it used to look like. Mm-hmm. And to be able to experience that on like a narrow dirt pathway, um you know, and now there's the pathway, there's the parking lot with the stand and you pay for it. And it's just like super commercialized. Yeah. And I don't want national parks turning into amusement parks. Exactly. That's what it's, that's what it's becoming. I had, a friend becoming that I, I had a friend that just went to Watkins Glen last weekend and he said it was absolutely packed because it's got fall foliage right now. Oh, right. So it's, it's like the oh, absolute man. best time of year to go. And you're crammed in. It's like a queue line for an amusement ride. Right. Yeah, that that stuff. And I mean, Zion would probably have been my favorite national park, but because of the just shuttles full of people, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. And um, well, we talked about this like maybe two months ago, Elliot, what they're, the development they're doing in Yosemite. So um, one of the things that they're doing is they're going to start creating like higher end uh, hotels and restaurants <sighs> inside the park. And no. they're going to start building cell phone towers throughout the park. Yeah. So you have service no matter where you are. I mean... In- Yosemite. I feel like they don't need help getting more people to visit. So I'm not, I don't no. understand that, I guess. That has, that has to be one of the most visited parks in the world. And for sure, they're, they're saying that it's because of, you know, I guess they're worried that they're not going to get people, especially like younger people who are glued to their phones. They're worried like they're not going to come to the national parks anymore. And so what uh. they, they're, 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 remedy for this is to make sure that these kids have service so you know while they're in the middle of the wilderness they can post their pictures directly to you know social media as they're there and still feel connected i would have loved to have been in that meeting where they decided that was a good idea yeah (laughs) right what who's making these decisions no yeah if anything social media has made it clear that there's still a population of people that very much likes being in the outdoors yes but it is such a balance because i mean 
for people like with all these issues going forward with like even the bear's ears and like, you know, reducing national wild lands, like it has to be personal for people to care. And so, I mean, with all the people coming into the national parks through, I mean, with social media inspiring people to, we have to hope that at least more people are going to start to care. That's going to be more personal. I mean, that's the only thing I can, when I have to focus on the positives of how many people are in national parks, I think. That's that's a great point. I mean, yeah, if you want people to protest development like Bear right. and, and Tongass, yeah, yeah, they're going to have to, people who have no idea what it's like, you know, you have some guy living in Miami mm-hmm. who's never been to Alaska. It's going to be hard for him to relate or understand or even care what's going on all the way up in Alaska when he's so far removed from that. So the exactly. more people you do, the more people you do allow into these parks, the more people you can have fighting for them. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to hear a little bit about your backstory and how you ended up in well from seattle to juno from michigan and what how your passion for national parks for hiking in the outdoors grew into what it is yeah so in michigan i mean i didn't really get outside much there's i mean there's not a whole lot it's pretty flat and i mean there's the great lakes but and the only national park we have is way i mean it's basically canada it's way up past the up it's like the peninsula right yeah, it's even um, above that. Isle Royal. Yeah, you have to take a ferry. It's it's pretty extreme. It's probably going to be the last national park I make it to. But uh, yeah, so I grew up there. And when I was 23, 24, I decided I had an opportunity like travel nursing to do travel therapy. And I just told them, hey, I want to move. Put me anywhere on the West Coast. And thought I was going to end up in San Francisco and ended up working in Seattle. It was supposed to be a three-month contract uh but as soon as i got there and saw rainier and the mountains i was hooked and two years later i (laughs) finally decided well okay maybe i can go check somewhere else out and come back if i want to to seattle later and that's how i ended up here in juno okay and are you still working as an occupational therapist in juno yes okay yeah so my contract will be up uh, end of december and hoping to try to go somewhere warmer, maybe California next. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's getting dark pretty early now, right? Oh, yes. Like 3.30 rolls around and it's like, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. It's getting a little wow. dark now. Is it, is it light out right now? I know it's about 8.30 there. Yeah, because of the time change, actually. Like the, um, yeah, the daylight savings, it is lighter right now. Okay. It's pretty fogged over. It rains so much yeah. here. Well, what it, I I just read somewhere, it may have been one of your posts that uh, Juno gets 62 inches of rainfall a year. Yep. It's like which, double Seattle. Yeah. Which people think Seattle is, gets tons of rain, but it's twice as much as Seattle, which gets about 37 inches. Yep. Oh, it's yeah. It's unreal. Every, I know so every time I've been to Juno, the two times, and it's been on opposite ends of trips, it has always rained. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, the, yeah, there's a place in Alaska. I'm going to, I'm going to Google it really quick. Um, All right. That gets the most rain in the United States. It's an island. Oh. Hmm. Is it one of the illusions? Probably, right? Um, it is. Figure it out, Bob. I'm on it, man. I'm on it. Af- uh, Afghanak <laughs> wow. Island. Never heard okay. of it. Okay. I don't in know. The, in the Gulf of Alaska. Yeah. Apparently, that, that, that is the most rainy place in the entire United States. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, no, not at all. Oh, there's a state park there. Is there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. How much rain does it get then? 
Does it say? Oh, uh, yeah. Hold on one second. It's raining there right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I need to find something like total rainfall, right? Yes. Hmm. Uh, Awkward silence. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's on Kodiak Island. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I found it. Yeah, that's it. up there. That's up there. Yeah. One of our previous guests, he was actually one of my geography professors, grew up on Kodiak. No kidding. Yeah. You remember Travis, Bob? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he did his full PhD on the bear population on Kodiak because they're wow. Kodiak has Kodiak bears, not grizzly. Right. And those are bigger, right? Yes. Yeah. Terrifyingly bigger. <laughs> Yikes. And that is actually just south of Katmai National Park. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. So living in Alaska. Living in all about Alaska. <laughs> living in Alaska. So I thought I can't find the average rainfall. So I'm just going to give up. That's okay. I'm just generally curious about like what it, what is life like there for you? It, as we mentioned before, it's very different from the rest of the United States. Do you notice that like a very cultural, like a distinct cultural difference yes. in the people who live there compared to Michigan or, or Seattle? Not as much as I thought I would. I see so many people wearing Michigan caps and shirts. It's like, it's such a transplant state. I mean, and I mean, there's a downtown, but I live in the second largest city in Alaska, right? And there's only 30,000 people here. Wow. Yeah. So that kind of puts it, I mean, Anchorage is the largest, yeah. but there's not, I mean, as far as the arts and culture and that kind of stuff, it is a lot more liberal than I would have guessed. Um, quite liberal hmm. here, actually. Really? So that has been refreshing. Yeah. I don't know about the rest. I mean, Juno's the capital, so it makes sense that it would be a little more liberal, I guess, right. but... Huh. Um, and I've only been to Juneau. I haven't been to mainland Alaska, so I can't really compare. Okay. So you haven't been to Denali yet then? No, nope. Okay. Now that's a park that, from what I understand, you can't really drive through. You, right, I think you, you have drive, to take a bus. Yeah, you can drive into, you have to park, and then you take a bus in. But that, So that's a park that I would be petrified to be in, especially <laughs> alone. Think, yeah, so my boyfriend went there, and I believe that's the park he had to take a course before even going in about bear safety. Oh, they, like, right. force you. They make you, which is great, which is what we should do with all the parks yes, in right. general. But, yeah, yeah, so you don't have jerks, like, Educate. trying to pet bison. In, uh, <laughs> you see those crazy videos yes. come up. Yeah. Did you oh see the, the video of the uh, – they were, like, an Asian family, and they were in, like, one – some sort of national park in like the Midwest somewhere. It might've been like Yellowstone or something. Oh, and no. a bison comes up to like this girl. <gasps> She's like nine years old. And oh yeah. Tosses her in the air. Tosses her. Oh wait. They were just like a rag that. doll. They were getting so crazy. close no. to these bison. And it's just so crazy to me. Yeah. That is wild. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah literally wild. <laughs> so what in Juneau, you've been there for two years. No, I've only been here four months. Oh, that's it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you've, you've had a chance to explore around Juno a little bit, right? So you've been so to much. like Tongas and yes. what's the other, there's another one around there. Glacier. Uh, it's a glacier state park. Not, oh, Mendenhall? Yeah. So I've been to Mendenhall. Yeah. Is there a lot of hiking there? At the glacier? Um, yeah. Or in general? Yeah. There's, I mean, there's more trail than miles of road. Oh. Huh. All right. you know so there yeah there's a lot of hiking that's pretty Definitely. cool so do do you guys mind like talk, transitioning to tongas no sure you ready so did you end up listening to that podcast 
I did. I, I ended up writing a whole blog post on it. <laughs> nice. So this, then, yes. then we'll have plenty to talk about. And oh yeah. So to catch the listeners up, so before um, this podcast started, obviously uh, we were in, we were emailing back and forth, and there was an interesting podcast on proposed development in Tongass National Park on an NPR podcast called National. Shortly. It's a national forest. National forest. For clarification. Yeah. Sorry. And so this is something that the Trump administration is trying to roll out, correct? Correct. Um, yeah. Do you mind explaining like what it is and maybe, you know, what is, the, what is Tongass, first of all? Yeah, we'll have to tag team this. Uh, but yeah, Tongass yeah, is massive. I mean, it's, I think it was, I don't have the facts right in front of me, but like 17 million acres. Yeah. And um, I think 9 million is protected by this roadless rule where the Clinton administration kind of rolled out right before he left that... Um, you cannot develop and build roads for mining, logging, those kind of purposes that it was to be left natural and wild. Um, and so that is threatened now, that rule. They want to remove the rule so they can build roads for apparently logging, which is very interesting to me because logging is such a small percentage of, I mean, the industry here. Yeah. Well, and so I actually went through some of the... I the Tongass information and some of the facts on it. And there's actually a lot of tourism generated, not directly from Tongass, but the habitat it provides because it protects a lot of salmon breeding Mm -hmm. watersheds and tourism and salmon fishing is huge in Alaska. I mean, that's the only, those are the two times I've been to Alaska is for salmon fishing. Right. And it's, it's amazing. So the fact that they want to log it, I can't imagine that that is a more beneficial no. and productive thing than ecotourism. It's an immediate right. financial gain. That's what it is. That's it all is. it is. It is. Very it's a, it's a short-sighted, short-sighted plan. How can we make a lot of money very quickly? Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of what this administration has been proposing um, for our public man, public lands has been based off of. It's yeah. He, it's just about getting as much money as quickly as possible, regardless of the repercussions. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you you log, you, if you log Tongass, it'll be centuries. I mean, or, or decades before you actually even before it recoups. And it's just yeah. And even when top. it recoups, I mean, I was talking to a guy that used to work in the. He was like head of the forestry department. He said that when you clear cut it grows back so differently because now it's exposed to direct sunlight. And so hemlocks grow first or, or spruce grow first and then hemlocks. And it makes it so much more dense that the animals can't get through. And so it creates these pockets of animals that can't, you know, transport across the the state anymore and they become isolated and that's how more animals become endangered. And so this, this proposal would actually, so the area, the other 8 million acres that, aren't protected have basically been clear cut and logged and they're no longer valuable, which is why they want to go into this 9 million. And those were actually made available by Obama in 2009, which really surprised me because I remember reading that uh, 10 years ago when it first uh, came out. And I was like, I'm really surprised that the Obama administration opened up Tongass National Forest to more logging to produce more paper. Um, Mm. And I did not know that. Now they're proposing to, you know, remove protection for the other half of the national forest. Yeah. And I mean, even to talk about that podcast that you guys mentioned, 
talking about the carbon sink and how much carbon is stored. I mean, it's the world's largest temperate rainforest that's left. Yeah. And to take to take that away, and we're already treading in deep water. Yes. You know, on the uh, climate yeah. issues, but yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, it's short-sighted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what's scary to me, like living here and seeing it is that Alaska, like you said, is so kind of off the radar. It's it's people aren't as connected to what's going on here. And so I feel like it's easier for people to pass laws like that without public concern because they just didn't know. Yeah. It's, we're isolated. Yeah. And as you stated, a lot of people that live in Alaska are transplants. Yeah. So they may not understand exactly what's going on in their state because they haven't lived there their entire life. Right. And change may be normal for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a little bit of research because I'm really interested in the geography of Alaska. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the numbers, Alaska has 0.2% of the US, US population. It's like <laughs> it's 0.2. Un- 0.2. Oh, and man. it's a sixth of the size of the US. Yes. You should see those maps where it's like uh, transposed over yeah. the U.S. It's crazy. Not floating out with as an right. island with Hawaii. <laughs> yes. Well, I know, I know Alaska has more coastline than the entire continental United States. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. really, uh, humans, it's, it's tough to put a number on how much humans have actually touched the Alaskan wilderness. Because even mm-hmm. if someone just walks in, that to me is considered an impact. But right. there's still a large amount of Alaska that has never potentially seen a human. Right. Yeah. Which should be kept that way. Yeah. I think that's that's so cool to think about. I feel like it's what we have left when everything else is getting so popularized and made for tourism. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes because yeah. they have a lot of oil, right? There's a lot yes. of oil in, in Alaska. And I know <clears throat> that's the only state in the country that gets uh, like a, a UBI. They have a, a UBI universal basic income where they give out ah. money uh, yes. to every single citizen just for living in Alaska. Is that what they call it there? Yeah, the PFD. I don't actually know what that stands for, but it's a big thing. I mean, they just got it maybe a month ago, a couple weeks ago. And there's all the stores have like in their storefront signs like PFD sale and, you know, we'll, we'll match your PFD. And just, it's crazy. It's such a yeah. culture. So just for living there, um, yeah. every single citizen gets a, a check for. Mm-hmm. So do you? It, it does. It stands for permanent fund division. Oh, okay. That's kind of. I know cool. it's based off of the yeah the oil sales I believe from like a couple of years prior. Oh, mm-hmm. That's really cool. So do and you so actually varies. receive that now that you're living there? No. Or do you I have, think you to, have to live, live a full year, full two years before you get it? And I haven't actually become a resident because I'm travel therapist. Right. Mm, okay yeah you can see how it'd be enticing (laughs) it seems like you have enjoyed your experience there i have yeah the Mm. rain i'm i'm kind of it's wearing on me but uh yeah it has been such an experience even just my road trip here i mean because i had to drive through canada and then take a ferry with my car you drove oh yeah (laughs) from seattle Yes, I, I made it a really long trip. I went over to Banff and Jasper and then kind of curved back around and spent some time in Whitehorse and Yukon. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That must have sleeping, been a really cool road trip. Sleeping out of my car. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Slightly terrifying. <laughs> Banff uh, and Jasper are two parks uh, that are very high on my list. I would love to see yes. Banff specifically. Yes, yeah. it is gorgeous. So busy, but oh, so I gorgeous. Bet. 
just go for sunrise and sunset every single time you want to go anywhere and you'll be fine. Good to know. Yeah. That is good, good to know. know. And you said you want to go somewhere a little warmer when yeah. your contract is up in December? Yes. So where are you thinking? Maybe California. I have my license there to practice occupational therapy. There was like a, it's so hard with travel therapy because you don't really know where you're going to end up until they kind of present something and you have to decide right away. And it's usually like two or three weeks before you have to be there. So we'll see. That's how Juno happens. Wow. Oh, I'm curious. I'm curious about the, this travel therapy, because I mean, the whole point of our podcast, why Bob and I started was to give our listeners ideas of how to travel yeah either as their job or at least more frequently and it seems like travel therapy is a great way to do that because that's how i would prefer to travel is you know go to a new place and stay there for a decent amount of time get to know it become familiar with it and then right you know go to a new place but all all the while like actually working there yeah slow travel is great Yeah. yeah travel therapy travel nursing they're all i mean and you make more money because it's you're filling a spot where they have a need. And so this company is paying you to, you know, and they give you a tax-free stipend for housing, meals, all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, and they pay they pay for your relocation costs too. So it's it definitely has its perks. Yeah. Uh, it can get lonely if you don't have someone to travel with, but yeah. if you're extroverted and good at making friends, then it's, it works out. Yeah. Well, so has your boyfriend traveled with you from Seattle to Juneau and then potentially to your next location? Yeah. So he came up a little bit after I moved here. Uh, he is currently freelance writing. So he's okay. able to do that. Um, and then, yeah, we're, we're both ready for somewhere warm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I imagine. Has it started to snow yet? No, it keeps every week. It shows on the forecast snow. And we're like, okay, here we go. And then it never does. So I don't know. It's such a tease. Even next week it shows snow, but we'll see. Now, is your company, are you? That sounds, I'm not Uh, a fan. Um, Are you limited to the United States or can you go anywhere in the world? As far as I know, with travel therapy, yes, limited to the United States. I know there is a way to, you probably have to take some sort of test to prove your certification to go practice in another country. I'm sure it's possible, Mm -hmm. but I haven't looked into that yet. Yeah. Okay. California would be beautiful, except they seem to be, it seems to get, I mean, you're in Southern California. It seems to be extremely hot there now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's true. Los Angeles is in the hundreds. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Still right now. I don't know if they're still, well, they're dealing with a ton of wildfires right now. Yeah. I saw that. This is the wildfire season. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know. End of October into November is when like, is at the end of the dry season. So all of the fuel has been building up and building up. Oh. And that's, I mean, the car fire last year, this, the Kincaid fire this year, it all, it all happens around the same time, but they just seem to be getting bigger and bigger and people tend to build closer and closer to where they're happening. And yeah, that seems to be another issue. Yeah. People are, they're building homes everywhere. California is so populated. I know. And so many people are evacuated. Yeah. It's tough. Have you been to California before? I have. I've spent a good amount of time there. Okay. I have not been to Yosemite, though. I haven't really been to many of the national parks there. And I've been to the Redwoods and drove through Joshua Tree, but haven't really spent a good amount of time. So California, as far as national parks are concerned, it's a, it's a good spot because oh, yeah. they're all lined up together, too. So you yeah. know, Yosemite, I think, is like due west of San Francisco. Yes. And then if you drive south through, you know, from Yosemite, you can hit Sequoia. Yep. Um, 
what's it like king's canyon king's canyon is right there yeah and then once you get to the bottom of i guess it is a king's canyon you can go east and that's where you can get to uh death valley death, death valley. valley yeah yep. yeah and so they're all generally clustered together into one giant mm-hmm. wildlife preserve yeah it's kind of cool mm-hmm. california to yeah. me is one of the coolest states because you have you have such a variety of things that you can do you can live in San Diego or LA or San Fran and you can have this beautiful beach. You have great weather. And then if you just drive inland a few hours, you can be in the mountains and you can be in, you know, Sequoia and Redwood forests to me are the most amazing forests in the entire planet. Yes. Yeah. That is so ideal. Yeah. And so you have all these different things. You can go up into the Cascades, you can mm-hmm. walk through the forest, you can be on the beach. So California, I think is incredibly unique in, a, in some really good ways. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Sequoia and Redwood are perfect examples of what happens when you let logging take place. Those are just fractions of what was once there. Right. Because they just logged those trees without any regulation. And eventually someone came along like, wait, hold on. Like these are, these are super unique trees. Maybe we should save a few of them. Save some. Yeah. Right. We would never grow those back in our lifetime. So once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's That's disappointing. Bad. Yeah. Not 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 a whole lot of foresight in this generation. No. No. No, I think our generation has our, our, I think, our generation, yes. I think previous generations. Yes. Yeah. You know, and the war the world is their oyster. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. we're talking about people who came from on the tail end of a world war. They had a very different outlook on life in general and they were living in a different environment. And so it's hard to fault them completely. Right. You know, and the population size. I mean, gosh, how much have we grown overall? Like, right. Right. People. You know, so yeah, I, it's hard to blame them completely for taking the, and having no consideration for the environment whatsoever. Right. Um, but now we do. We have that information and we should be more responsible with it. Yes. So have you guys heard the song, OK Boomer? No. No. Uh, actually, I don't know if it's the actual name of the song, but there's this new song out that an okay boomer has become a slogan of like gen z and a little bit of the late end of millennials and the whole it's like a jab at the boomer generation even the gen x generation um saying like anytime they say something that feels a little outdated or inappropriate or non-politically correct uh they're like okay boomer And now no, there's a song about it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I'm trying to find out what the name of it is. <laughs> yeah. I have to Google that. <laughs> the, the New York Times has an article on it. And the, I heard of it through an NPR segment. Okay. And they played a little bit of it. And it was, I was like, oh, that's funny. Oh, it's a, it was an audio clip on TikTok. <laughs> yes. TikTok. Yeah. Uh, have you not yeah. heard of TikTok? I have heard of TikTok. I thought it was like for little kids. It is. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gen Gen X are to me little kids. <laughs> Sorry, not Gen X, Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen okay. Z. What are those? Yeah. yeah. They're That's the like, ones born after ninety eight. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, don't you feel like we're gonna we're getting in like a tan- side tangent here, but like Oh definitely. You... That's a that's the wonderful <laughs> thing about podcasting. I well, I feel like there's a distinct difference among the millennial generation. Um between those born before the internet really took off or like social media really took off and then yes. the ones born afterwards. The ones that um, grew up with it. Right. right. Because I didn't. Most I, I don't know how old you are, but. I'm 28. 
28. Okay. Yeah. So I'm 32. Elliot, you're 28, yeah. right? 28. You're 28. Yeah. So we didn't have like Facebook in high no. school. It came out when we were, when well, we graduated, at least when I graduated. It came out yeah. in high school for us. Did it? Yeah. I think okay. my so, senior year, I got it. Okay. Yeah. So essentially you didn't grow up with it. And so that to me is like one of the defining lines between our two, between our generation, between Mm -hmm. the millennial generation is like people who grew up saturated with content and being online all the time and those who did not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we knew what it was like before social media. Right. Yeah. We're the last generation to do that. We're, we're the last generation to know what it's like to not always be able to contact your friends immediately, oh. not always be online, um, not sharing everything that you do. Like right. we, we're the last of that line. That's kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> because yeah. So if it came out when you were a senior. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've been living with it for 10 years. Facebook was launched in 2006. Okay. Yeah. And so now you have, you know, 12 year olds on Facebook or whatever, and right. they're growing up with it or Instagram, whatever it is. And so it's having strong influences on their adolescence. Yeah. Their values, what they find meaningful. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. they follow uh, pages like yours, Melissa, where you promote, oh. the, you know, national parks <laughs> and right. being uh, environmentally conscious and, and things like that, because mm-hmm. It doesn't, yeah, just because these kids are growing up with it doesn't necessarily mean it's always a bad thing. There's a lot of good information out there. There's a lot of good people sharing good things. And right. hopefully that's where they focus their attention. Yes. Hopefully, yeah. Well, speaking of which, if for people that want to follow you and see where you're at and your uh, support of national parks, what are your social media pages? And you said you have a blog as well? Yeah, so my blog was the first thing, really, and that's missrover.com. Okay. And then uh, my Instagram is miss.rover. Those are kind of the main, the main channels that I'm, that I'm on. And you're primarily uh, sharing your hiking experiences and travel experiences. Yes. Yeah. And my blog has been kind of a hodgepodge of things, mostly, mostly travel itineraries and what I've done and then environmental issues that I, that I care about. Yeah. That's awesome. Any, any other environmental issues that you, that are at the forefront of your blog or, or your thoughts? Now the Tongass has been the the main one. Yeah. 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 That's a big one. And it, it for you literally right now it's close to home. Yeah, I, there's a meeting tomorrow in Juneau where they're going to discuss it okay. in the city. Yeah. Did did you get into environmental issues and caring about, you know, the wilderness in your move to Seattle or did you already have that in your in your mind? When you were living Mostly, in yeah, on my move to Seattle because I road tripped out there and basically lived in national parks, just tent camping. Uh, I, that's where I started my national park love, really, just on my way out because I, I took yeah. almost a month off. Oh, wow. To get out there. That's yeah. really nice. It seems like yeah. your job has good perks, definitely, definitely. good perks. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Well, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. Yes. Thank and- you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to follow you on your more with the Tongass and wherever you end up next. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Nice meeting you guys. All right, that wraps up our show for today. And I don't know, I think that was a great discussion on national parks, Alaska, Seattle, and a lot of the West Coast. And I'm I'm really wondering if Amanda might be able to find a similar job in the future that is like... uh, traveling occupational therapy um, 
and you know give us an opportunity to stay in a few different locations but it may be difficult with kids i was gonna say don't you want a baby it's yeah. not incredibly difficult like dude near impossible i mean i guess you could do it I, you yeah. could but it would be v- very difficult yeah it seems like it would be better to have done it over the last four years <laughs> yes it seems like the ship may have sailed but don't hold oh, yourself well. back if it's something you really want to do yeah. All right. You can figure it out. All right. So yeah, no, I, I, you know what I loved about this conversation? I loved just sitting down and talking with someone about Alaska who's familiar with it because I've actually never done that in my life. So uh, that was neat to, to hear somebody who grew up in the mainland United States, move to Alaska and kind of get her idea or, uh, you know, information on what she found interesting and her perspective on what life is like there. I found that very cool. Yeah. So reach out to us via email or via social media. We answer most uh, direct messages and give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or whatever other podcasting platform you're listening on. Bob, what is our trivia question for this episode? Today's trivia question is, what was Melissa's favorite national park? So stay tuned next week to find out the answer. And thanks for listening. 